0: Hello and welcome to episode 170 of the LDS study session with me, your host, Matthew Roberts. Today we're going to continue with our Come, Follow Me study, found in November the 11th to November 17th, Hebrews chapter 7 to 13, Our High Priest of of Good Things to Come. We're going to continue looking at the section which is called Ancient and Modern Ordinances, Points to Jesus Christ. Uh, And this uh, is covered in Hebrews chapter uh, 9, verses... Sorry, Hebrews chapter 9 and Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 to 22. Uh, we're now focusing on the chapter 10 part because there is just so much here. Uh, and so if you remember yesterday, we talked about what was in Hebrews 9. We talked about the video that accompanies uh, that come following the Come Follow Me materials uh, called Sacrifice and the Sacrament. And so today we'll continue with the chapter 10. Straight away, chapter 10, verse 1, we read this from Paul. Very straightforward. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they are offered year by year continually make the com- corners comers unto their thereunto perfect. So, yeah, basically the law isn't enough. The law is on its own, not not what's, what's necessary. Uh, we read this further when we have a look in Mosiah um, chapter... 13 verse 28 which says and moreover i say unto you that salvation doth not come by the law alone and were it not for the atonement which god himself shall make for the sins and iniquities of his people that they must unavoidably perish notwithstanding the lord moses so again even those people that left the uh, the jewish community and crossed the sea they understood that the atonement was necessary that the sacrifices they were making and still making up until this sac- this last one last and great sacrifice happened, uh, it was not going to work. It wasn't going to help them unless this great atonement was made, uh, which God Himself shall make. Uh, as we move on, we also see in the Old Testament that there was this understanding that sacrifice and the and the law of sacrifice that Moses was given under the law of Moses uh, to. Literally, sacrifice—you uh, know, lambs, bulls, whatever it was—that uh, this wasn't enough. This clearly wasn't the be-all and end-all. We know this because we look in First Samuel chapter fifteen, verse twenty-two, and this, of course, is right in the midst of when sac- the Lord's sacrifice was given and was followed. Yet Samuel still said this to Saul in First Samuel fifteen, verse twenty-two: "Have the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices." as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. So, you know, an Old Testament prophet there, clearly stating that, you know, whilst these sacrifices are important, we need to keep doing them, it's much better just to live the law that the Lord has given. Uh, this sacrifice, or the law of sacrifice, isn't the, the way forward. Uh, and then, of course, we read in verse 10 of Hebrews chapter 10, by the which we or, or will we are sacr. Oh, sorry. I'll say that. Start again. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Um, I actually had this verse highlighted before I even came to it, uh, studying it with Come Follow Me, uh, and it is really a well-known verse. It's a verse that talks about the infinite nature of the atonement, the blessing that the Savior has given us, and I having experienced the atonement in my life, and I can honestly say this it gives me such hope I mean I know I'm not perfect yet I know that you know it's not a case of well he's done it so I'm saved you know I still need to have that broken heart and contrite spirit that desire to shed all of the things which I do wrong and come unto the saviour fully and perfectly Uh, but because of what he's done that is possible Uh, in October 1996 in a talk called The Atonement uh, Russell M. Nelson now uh, who was elder president elder Russell M. Nelson then uh, said this, quote, "...in preparatory times of the Old Testament, the practice of atonement was finite, meaning it had an end. It was a symbolic forecast of the definitive atonement of Jesus the Christ. His atonement is infinite, without an end. It was also infinite in that all humankind will be saved from never-ending death. It was infinite in terms of his immense suffering. It was infinite in time, putting an end to the preceding prototype." preceding prototype of animal sacrifice. It was infinite in scope. It was to be done once for all. The mercy of the atonement extends not only to an infinite number of people but also to an infinite number of worlds created by him. It was infinite beyond any human scale of measurement or mortal comprehension. Jesus was the only one who could offer such an infinite atonement, since he was born of a mortal mother and an immortal father. Because of that unique birthright, Jesus was an infinite being. Close quote. So yeah, clearly the, uh, the message here is that the sacrifice of these finite, mortal creatures was only for a time, until and it was you know for what for these people to understand until the coming of the savior could happen and his great and last sacrifice could take place. Uh, it moves on and then finally uh, the one that stuck out to me was Hebrews chapter ten verses eighteen to nineteen, where it says now. Where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest, holiest by the blood of Jesus. Um I love these two verses because, again, it is pointing out here by Paul that once we have taken part, part of this atonement, once we've adsect, accepted Christ into our life, we can have boldness, actual boldness to enter the holiest, um which, of course, brings it right back to the beginning where he talked about in the past the high priest when there were sacrifices made would take the sacrifice into the holiest of holies. Uh, and so now he's making the point that we can walk forward with boldness into that holiest um, because of our saviour. He is now there to mediate and atone for us. Um, of course, he expects us to follow his gospel, to, to live the best that we can and to accept him as our saviour. And once we do that, we can be assured that he will atone for us and mediate for us, which is such a wonderful blessing and gift. We can walk forward in a newness of life. I think that sometimes when we make mistakes, we walk forward, you know, honestly thinking that, yes, the Saviour can atone for me and, you know, he's he's done that. But for many of us, me included, there is always that small bit of guilt inside us still that makes us think, but am I really forgiven? Can I really, you know, believe this? And that's what, uh, I don't know if you've read Stephen E. Robinson's taught uh, taught his book, Believing Christ. Believing Christ. uh, But he really just hits it home to say, yes, he can. You you have that broken heart, you pray to your father, you, you repent of that, you take the sacraments and you can believe that you can forget that and move on and have a newness of life, just as we do at baptism. Uh, and I think that uh, what I'd like to do, I mean, I'm not going to do this now because we are coming up to eight eight minutes now, uh, but I would love to have a look at the ordinances, the modern, modern ordinances that we have, and just identify how they all point toward the Saviour. I think that sometimes there are some other Christians who but don't believe we are Christian because we believe that we have to do these things, these ordinances, to be able to receive exaltation or, or their salvation, their version of salvation, which is to be in the presence of, of God the Father and, and the Saviour Jesus Christ forever. Um, you know, we believe we need to be baptised. We need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We need to, uh, you know, take upon ourselves other up covenants and ordinances. And they say, well, obviously you, you believe that these things save you, not the Saviour. And actually, I don't believe so. I, I think that these are important. And um, just because I think that these ordinances are important doesn't mean I don't believe in the Saviour. In fact, these ordinances are are the Saviour. They they point toward him. Uh, I'm preparing a talk currently uh, for a baptism that's happening on Saturday for a, 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 new, a new friend in our ward. And uh, just looking at the ordinance of baptism just has, again hit home to me just how it all points to the Saviour. Uh, so it'd be interesting to have a look at these ordinances and identify where they point to the Saviour, the symbolism behind them. And I think I might do that tomorrow if I get a chance. Um, So I hope you've enjoyed the study today. Uh, If there's anything that you've been learning about this or about anything that you've been studying, I'd love to hear from you at MattSRoberts90 on Twitter to hear your thoughts uh, or email ldstudysession at gmail.com if you'd rather it to be a bit more private. Uh, Thank you very much for your time. And until we meet again.